right, welcome to the Just Swinging It podcast. My name is John Burrell, and I'm with Fat Baby Funds. Chris is being a loser and out today, so um, we got a few things going on. We're going to do a, our first Twitter spaces on uh, Twitter, so definitely check out Fat Baby Funds for future episodes that are going to be live, uh, broadcasted from his channel, but we will upload this to the normal uh, sites as always. And today we got a pretty cool topic, especially with everything that's happening in the crypto markets. We're going to talk a little bit about crypto, but before we get into it too deeply, uh, how was your day, Fat Baby? Good, good. I was uh, traveling for work today, uh, so bouncing around and dealing with a few fires, but got those put out, and now now I'm ready to uh, talk a little crypto. What about you? Sounds good. Yeah, actually... I'm back at home now after our traveling. Uh, we were in Florida for vacation for a week, so it's nice to be back and kind of had a couple days here at home after our travels and uh, went and played a little bit of basketball, which is nice, and ready to get back into the markets. Kind of had a little break from, so I'm pretty energized and looking at markets more now. Yeah, absolutely. It's a... Uh... It's an interesting time in the markets, but we we don't have to dive into that. We we've talked about that. Yeah, pretty much same old same old stuff that's been going on. So I guess uh, we got dead horse uh, enough and talk about some more in depth on things that may bring opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to start talking uh, crypto? So I'll let you lead the conversation. Uh, this is more your expertise than is mine. I know enough to have a conversation about it, go in a little bit more deeper details, and I'll try to ask questions as if you know, someone listening to this, uh, I'm sure will have similar questions that I'll have, um, and we'll tap into your knowledge base a little bit. Yeah, so what I was thinking is we can talk Bitcoin to start, that's sort of the original crypto and the easiest really to understand. And then after that, we can dive into Ethereum and then some use cases for Ethereum with NFTs. Um, I wouldn't get too far beyond NFTs into things like DAOs just because those those are confusing and way far out. Um, but I think Bitcoin, Ethereum, NFTs is a sort of fun, fun to start down the crypto, crypto rabbit hole. Um, so with Bitcoin... I, there's a lot of different ways you can think about it, uh, and some people are definitely going to disagree with it, it. But to me, the idea of Bitcoin is it's a new asset class that's meant to uh, essentially be digital gold. That's the easiest way to think about it. I think there's potential beyond it. Um, but when you start to think of what digital gold is, um, and what gold is, is it, it's really just a... It's really a store of value uh, without a ton of intrinsic value, and it's essentially accepted everywhere. And it's uh, kind of like a hedge against, I guess, the fiat system, and that's kind of where Bitcoin's idea came from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Bitcoin sort of started up in the great after the. Uh, great recession all that kind of stuff the great financial crisis that we had and from that that's when satoshi nakamoto uh created bitcoin and 
re really, we don't have to dive into too much of the uh, details and how it works or anything like that. But essentially what it is, is it's a, a new asset cl class that some could consider a currency. Some would argue with that. Uh, really the idea is that it's a different form that you, a uh, different currency that you can transact with. Uh, so it isn't the quickest of systems. It can't handle uh, a ton of transactions per time, anything like that. And it's in that sort of similar to gold, where it's not, you're not going to be using gold every day. You're not going to be using gold um, that you're using gold because you trust it. And that's really when I step back and look at Bitcoin, there's two major things that really have me very bullish on Bitcoin. And it's that it's, gain trust over time. So at first in 2010, no one trusted it. By 2012, it was sort of a joke. By 2014, only crazy people trusted it. And then 2016, it was sort of the early adopters who are in it. To 2018, 2020, 2022, um, major companies are holding it on their balance sheets. It's It's been proven that the the system has worked this entire time. It's still decentralized. It's still overall a very interesting, um, interesting use case, and it, it proved out that the system works. Whether it has uh, all these different use cases, uh, that can be debated. But it's been a decade plus, and Bitcoins run very, very smoothly the entire time, uh, and it honestly hasn't had any major changes to it during that time. So it's got this lasting effect to it as well um, over a decade in. But really, that's what I'm looking at when I'm looking at Bitcoin is seeing it's gaining trust over time. And I asked the question, what would cause it to lose trust over time? What would cause gold to start to take over? What would cause a different cryptocurrency to take over? And when I look at the the bear cases on that versus the bull cases, that's when I start to get a bullish on Bitcoin. Yeah, I think one of the points there that I kind of latch on to is, you know, you were talking about the massive amounts of transactions. is It's kind of slow in that regard, but that's the trade-off for having a slower processing time is also the validation of the transfers the way the blockchain validates every order across multiple ledgers basically or miners i guess um keeps everything honest and keeps the system from being able to be hacked or someone trying to cheat the system just like you have with gold so it has that same benefit of yeah it's a drawback because the transaction aren't as fast but you know that they're legit and it's um, almost impossible, and I, I guess theoretically it is impossible um, that it would be hacked or someone would be able to falsify documents because it, it threw out all the different miners and the ledgers out there. It has to be a part of that chain. So I guess that's one of the big benefits to it is that it is decentralized, but because it's decentralized, you have to have some kind of inner workings that's going to verify these transactions if you're not going to have a centralized system like a government that's going to control it. So 
to be decentralized, you have to have some kind of mechanism to make sure that everything is true and and, and it's being processed uh, in in the legitimate and no one's trying to game the system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, the other thing that I think is worth talking about when we start to look at Bitcoin is the HODL waves. Have you ever looked at HODL waves at all, H-O-D-L? No, what is that? So it's a since Bitcoin is all transacted on a ledger, you can go in and you can see how long each wallet has been holding Bitcoin for. So when you start to step into it and look at it, you can do some interesting things with that because it's all publicly available data. So what you can do is you can start to identify how long a certain wallet has been holding crypto and then uh, Bitcoin. And then from there, you can say, okay, this wallet has been holding Bitcoin for this long um, or this wallet has been growing its Bitcoin for this long. And you can take a look at it that way. But you can also take a look at it and see when was the last time what a certain percentage of Bitcoin was sold. So you can take a look at it and say 20% of Bitcoin, or I, I don't have the HODL waves up in front of me, but you can say X percent of Bitcoin hasn't moved in the past five years. So it's either a dead account or it's someone who's sitting there and not selling it. So when you started to look at it in the last Bitcoin bear market, um, it, it was a huge percentage of Bitcoin wallets despite going down from up to 20K and then down to 3K, um, a huge percentage of wallets never sold during that time. And it's very similar to what's going on right now where uh, you don't have a lot of selling going on uh, by major wallets. It's all the leverage that's swinging it. So you have a lot of day traders coming in and out. A lot of people were highly levered. Um, so it might seem like, oh my God, Bitcoin's melting down. But when you step back and look at it and actually track the wallet movements and look at these HODL waves, um, it can tell you a different story about what the core the core of Bitcoin is, with, which is a different story than the actual price of Bitcoin because of the crazy amount of leverage that everyone's using. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very interesting. I, I didn't realize that you could do that, but it makes a lot of sense where... It is public information. You can go in and all that that stuff. So it's cool to be able to see that, and you kind of get to look behind the glass where you normally wouldn't. Um, centralized system uh, that's controlled by a government. So it's really cool to be able to see that data. One one of the um, things that kind of popped into my head when you were saying like dead accounts and things, and I've heard you know you've heard stories people losing hard drives and stuff when they were storing their own crypto versus on a site. Um, is, I guess, a lot of crypto, um, or not a lot of crypto, but a lot of Bitcoin where it's been around for a long time, I would say, uh, and before you could store it with uh, different brokers or, or exchanges, I guess a lot of Bitcoins probably have been lost. Yeah, absolutely. You get a ton of horror stories about someone was buying uh using bitcoin in 2014 to buy marijuana off uh, uh silk road and they think they have five or six bitcoin extra because it was 
uh, a Bitcoin was $10 at the time. And they think they have five or six extra Bitcoin sitting on a hard drive somewhere um, and trying to find the hard drive and trying to find the, the file that they had it stored and all that kind of stuff. It was a, it was a different time back then. It's, it's become significantly easier to transact with Bitcoin now. Um, but overall you hear a, b- a bunch of horror stories on that and then you can verify some of it. For instance, it's pretty clear that, uh, Satoshi's never going to move his Bitcoins. Um, a lot of people uh, think Satoshi's dead. He's anonymous. Um, and he owns a significant of Bitcoins that have never been moved that when he was first setting up the system, he was mining it, all that kind of stuff, uh, verifying the network. And it, it's for sure that there's a ton of dead Bitcoins out there. There's a ton of uh, Bitcoin that's never going to move. So it's interesting to look at that. And it's another thing that you got to keep in, in, in your mind when you're looking at the HODL waves as well, is that HODL waves don't necessarily mean it's a person who has a ton of belief in Bitcoin in itself. HODL waves mean the Bitcoin hasn't moved. So it could be because they have a ton of belief in Bitcoin, or it could be because they lost their keys. They they lost the wallet. They lost whatever, and they, they aren't able to transact on that. So it really could mean a lot of things, but I do think it's valuable data that I wish I could have on the stock market, but that we can have on crypto. So I like to use it when I'm looking at it, especially when you have cultish stocks like like Bitcoin. Yeah, and the more information and data that you can pull in, especially on making an investment decision, is always is always a good thing. Um, something else that I was thinking of um, when it comes to Bitcoin wallets or Bitcoin that you store yourself versus on like these different sites or these exchanges and i heard something that some of these exchanges basically you don't own the crypto that's in your wallet you're basically lending the company your coins or your cash and then if something happens to the company you're actually just out versus it actually being yours is that um if I've been hearing the right thing and what's kind of the conversation around that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're definitely on the right track. And there's a bunch of people who have different opinions on this, but the common saying in the Bitcoin community is not your, not your keys, not your coins. So if you don't hold those Bitcoins yourself, if you're holding them on Coinbase, if you're holding them on Anywhere or even worse, if you're holding them on Celsius, if you're holding them on some of these websites where you're trying to earn yield on them, um, there's definitely risk associated with that. Uh, Coinbase is a very uh, trusted company. They Their financials are fine. There's a lot of FUD out there around Coinbase that it just isn't true. Um, so personally, I wouldn't be too concerned carrying Bitcoin there. But if the safest thing um, is definitely to put it on a hardware wallet. So essentially what a hardware wallet is, is a little USB drive that you can use to store your Bitcoin on there. And then you're not going to have a company go broke and then you can't access those Bitcoin. It's literally on that drive. You own it. You can walk around with it. You can put it in a safe. You can hold it storage and it'll be extremely safe in that, in that manner. Um, 
So I think a lot the, of people that are into gold like the idea of being able to at least hold on to something, uh, whether it be flash drive or something. You actually hold it yourself versus uh, trying to trust another organized centralized system. Uh, that's kind. I mean, you can argue that exchanges and brokers are all part of uh, of the system. So it's to be able to have it completely out of all the financial system entirely and have it on your own drive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely it's definitely a a, a change of pace. And if you want to completely go sort of full off the grid, you can do that with getting a hardware wallet. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a nice, a nice option to have when you do it. You don't have to do it. Uh, a lot of these companies are verified. I personally don't do any of the yield chasing kind of stuff. To me, it's a little crazy. Um, but I do think in the longer term, you will be able to get a reasonable yield on your Bitcoin if you want in a safe way. Um, the, the problem is, 8% isn't safe. The problem is 20% isn't safe. These companies were doing dumb things with your money. Um, and that's how you get that kind of yield. But it, in the future, what you'll be able to do is get the 2 or 3% that's probably reasonably safe and, uh, and use that because can do interesting things with any Bitcoin like they lend money. So it's interesting to see. Yeah, and you brought up Celsius. Uh, um, I don't know how much you want to talk about that, but I know like, CS, their coins and their system pretty much collapsed, if I'm not mistaken. And so did um, the Luna coins and Terra, uh, or am I mistaken? Yeah, no, you're right, you're right on. And really, both of them sort of come down to the same thing, which is chasing yield. So both offer stupid interest rates, and if you... If you lend them your Bitcoin, then they're going to, uh, or Terra is a whole different uh, kind of system outside of Bitcoin. Um, but it, it was related to Bitcoin as well. So it, essentially, those were companies that were trying to build up by offering high yields. And then all of a sudden, it turns out those yields aren't sustainable. They're doing dumb things with their money and they're sort of dumb companies. It was um, kind of like Ponzi scheme in a way, wasn't it? I mean, when you really look at they're paying off new investors with the high yield and offering new customers, and then they're just kind of switching out the money until eventually it comes crashing down. So I wouldn't say necessarily that Celsius was a Ponzi scheme. Because when you step back and look at it, it's very similar to what everyone else was doing. They just were offering slightly too high rates to lure people in. And with that, they were taking slightly too much risk. So it wasn't a Ponzi scheme as much um, on that one. Terra is a little more complicated. And when you start offering 20% interest rates, um, it, it, Terra was a bit of a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> uh, when you started to look at it, 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 there were some questionable mechanics in there. And it, it was pretty clear that 20% wasn't sustainable. So... It was just to attract a mass amount of users early on, and then they were hoping it was going to be fine. And they attracted a mass amount of users, and people were pumping Terra like crazy. And then, then it then it came the tra uh, the crash. So yeah, no, it's it's sort of it's it's all complicated though.
Yeah, I know that it has to do with um, algorithmic stable coins and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I think, you know, like, like you said, this doesn't affect Bitcoin's authenticity or anything like that. But the system in general, or not really the system, but just the asset class in general, it still affects everything because people may question and, and there's a lot of uncertainty because of these things. And then you also have to question, um, and like, like I said, I'm just going to throw this out here and you can take it as far as you want to. Um, but you also have to ask a question with things like Luna and Terra and Celsius, um, will that bring in heavier regulation into the asset class in general? And will this make things harder for cryptocurrencies to continue to blossom? Or will this make it more of a divide and say if regulators come in, they try to regulate it more, maybe people kind of jump to either extreme of it and it just it, it helps it helps the asset class because people are saying, well, you can't control it because we can do it regardless, kind of like they were doing in the early days with uh, Bitcoin. Uh, do you kind of see that even though Bitcoin may not be a Ponzi or may not be a crazy company that's doing some crazy stuff with your money, do you see that affecting Bitcoin's longevity? And how do you see regulators stepping into the space with everything that's went on in the last couple of months? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say, but the the one take I think that definitely is true is that uh, the crypto community has not done a good job policing itself. Um, when you get these people in the crypto community, they they full on fall for the the quick money schemes, every that's the crypto community loves that. Uh, so that's not really what Bitcoin is at this point, which part of the reason I like Bitcoin. Um, but for better or worse, Bitcoin's a crypto, the OG crypto. And then there's also all these other cryptos associated with it that are sort of dragging down the reputation of the overall community. Um, and it, it definitely is a threat. It definitely is something. I don't think regulators understand Bitcoin. I don't think regulators understand crypto. Um, it's been around for 12 years and beyond KYC, they haven't done a ton with it. Um, so I, I don't think that much is going to happen. I think there's going to be a lot of watching the onboards and offboards of crypto. Um, and then there might be a few dumb rules around it and whether they're securities, all that kind of stuff. Um, but overall, I think that stuff is in inevitable to happen, but it's not really close. So I think it's inevitable it will happen, but it doesn't seem like it's right around the corner either. Um, so definitely something I'm watching, definitely a threat. I don't think it's a huge existential threat like some people think it is just because Bitcoin's been around for so long. I don't see anything completely derailing it. Um, but the government's here to throw sand in the gears and slow things down and mess things up. So you always got to expect a, some amount of pain coming. Yeah. And uh, I think it, there's a lot of, a lot of different points um, that you can make on either side, but I tend to agree that, 
where it has been around for so long, even though the other cryptos may make the whole space look bad, where Bitcoin's been around for so long, it, at least people look to it as legit. And even Ethereum, for the most part, they still look at that as, um, you know, a, a solid uh, asset versus some of these that just pop up, uh, you know, money grabs and ripples and all these things. Um, I had another question. I can't really think of it right now at the moment, but I do think that it's good that we've kind of washed out the system recently with things taking nosedives i mean across all assets not just crypto but the stock market and you know all all across the board and many different assets we've kind of washed out the system which is a good thing because you get the the speculation down and you get all the people that came to make money versus they're investing for the future or pushing technology to a new place you're getting a lot of the people that were stuff the opportunities for that because so many people will get burned that they won't continue to get burned and eventually the scammers will go away the system will kind of clear out a little bit and you'll get a real push for innovation uh, i know people uh, like ethereum and i think you can build stuff off of it and there's interesting applications with Ethereum as well, but I think clearing out the system and getting, you know, the people that are over leveraged, the people that are scamming, all these people, get them washed out because they're not really serious in the space, um, like the people that actually believe in it or the people that are investing in it because they see a true opportunity. They're not just speculating in the short term to try to go from a trailer park to a mansion, so to speak, and there's nothing wrong with being in life, but there is a lot of people that were diving into the market purely just to change their life, not because they seen it as something that was a utility or something that was going to be innovation towards a better currency um, environment for a to transact in across borders and countries and territories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I got a, I got a Bitcoin question for you. Uh, do you think we've talked a lot about all weather funds, dragon portfolios, all that kind of stuff. Do you think Bitcoin or Ethereum or a basket of cryptos at all has its place in one of those kind of portfolios uh, along with the gold portion of it? Do you think at this point it's worth assigning a small amount of one of those portfolios to crypto? You know, I think when the bubble of, the crypto market really started it was very hard for me to make that rational decision to add it to something over the long term especially with strategic portfolios that are diversified but i think now that the markets have been washed out quite a bit and now the scams for the most part are gone the you know whatever kind of schemes it was um, a lot of the leverage, they've been crypto funds blow up. A lot of the risk has been taken out of the market, in my opinion. And the stuff that's left, people actually value. Um, whether it actually has value or not, that's a different debate. But 
people still see that the coins that are left still have value and you know they haven't went to zero and uh, even though they've had drastic drawdowns they're still around bitcoin's still around 20,000 so now i would say going forward i think some type of digital money in the future will be the future um how that's structured it may or may not be bitcoin it may or may not be ethereum but i think the whole point of the dragon portfolio or the all weather fund or the golden butterfly portfolio is basically diversifying across asset classes and to be able to in in one economic environment when something does poorly you'll be able to do well and that's you know that's really the whole the whole purpose of those funds so i would say figure out what portion and that you're willing to risk towards that's logical um and when i say position sizing i mean starting position sizing um because once it grows is a different a different factor but i would say allocate a certain position size and you can beta weight um adjust this position size depending on your goals and things but if you're doing something like the all-weather fund the gold and commodities are around seven and a half percent i would say for crypto, you could probably do about 5%, and I would probably take that 5% from stocks because as of right now, there's a very high correlation between the broad stock market, especially things like the NASDAQ and Bitcoin and crypto markets in general, and that could change in the future. But right now, I'd probably take 5% off of my stock portfolio and add it to a crypto basket and i would probably weight it by market cap you know probably bitcoin and ethereum would be the bigger portion of that five percent of a starting position and then maybe you shop around for maybe two percent bitcoin maybe two percent ethereum and then you get you know depending on your portfolio size maybe you scoop up a couple different cryptocurrencies uh, instead and another thing to add to that is in the all weather fund and some of these other funds that hold gold um gold is like uh seven and a half twenty percent you know seven and a half to twenty percent basically of the portfolio can be gold so what you could do if you like crypto and you like gold but you don't want to hold gld for whatever there's a cryptocurrency that's backed by gold maybe if you like maybe your gold allocation in, in that portfolio is to Pax G, which is uh, crypto backed by gold. So maybe that's your gold allocation, but it's still crypto and it has less fees than owning GLD and paying uh, management fees and things like that to um, to you know one of the financial institutions. Especially if you're someone that's into the Bitcoin and and crypto space and you don't like the centralized thing maybe you don't trust that your gold is stored by a large financial institution and uh, charging you fees and, and all these things. So different ways to play it. But to answer your question, I would say for sure it has made a spot in those portfolios. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, the point I was going to make too, and you nailed it, was that I think it does have a spot in those portfolios, but I don't think it's at 
it, it should completely replace gold because it doesn't have any of the correlation, causation, whatever you want to call call it that gold has. Uh, I think in the long run it could, but right now, for better or for worse, Bitcoin trades like it's an equity. Um, so if you're going to add it to the one of those kind of portfolios, which is really meant to prevent drawdowns, um, I think Bitcoin has its place. But I think if you're using it and you still want the benefits that come with an all-weather portfolio, it should be in place of equities. Yeah, for sure. I I, I do agree with that because uh, just because of correlation. And then, like you said, too, in the future, if things change, then maybe you can move it to a different spot. But no, I don't think that it's to replace gold or commodities or anything like that um, as of right now. Um, and I would I would say if you are interested in the space, um, I, w- I would say for the listeners, I would say if you're interested now's probably the time because you've already had a big clean out of of funds and you know everything exploding and what's left there's probably value in at some extent so i would say if you are looking to make those allocations everyone's already lost money and most of the risk in my opinion is probably already out of the markets so if you are interested in and you do plan to buy now is kind of the time to do it Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a good time. Uh, who knows if it goes down more, but it's it's definitely at a more attractive point than it was a few months ago. Uh, what are your thoughts on NFTs? You want to talk quick on NFTs, or you want to talk Bitcoin and Ethereum a little bit more? Um, NFTs. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about them. The only thing that I do know from the minimum research that I've done and I try to know enough to have a conversation and ask some questions, but I would NFTs to me, it seems like you're buying hyperlinks and those hyperlinks, what is at that designation can be changed. And I've kind of seen where that that's true. Um, because to access, um, to access some things that's actually on the blockchain, this part I'm not sure of, but it would actually cost transaction fees um, to access if you actually stored the photo or the art piece on the actual blockchain. And I'm not sure of that you can probably talk more about it, but to me it seems like in- NFTs, the idea is good in the fact of like you're actually getting artists paid, but they've been some stuff that's not really art, or at least it's not art to me that's just been speculated on and it's been another way for people to uh, uncontrollably speculate. And I really don't see a use form, but maybe you have an argument for them. Yeah. And so my argument is relatively simple and it's people are vain and they like owning things that are scarce and whether they're actually scarce or just it's false digital scarcity Um, People like to collect that. And an example of this would be baseball cards. When you look at baseball cards, there's nothing actually scarce about them. Anyone could reproduce them. It's just false scarcity that someone created. 
And so when I step back and look at it, it's really just NFTs are a form of identity. Uh, and as we move into an increasingly digital world, uh, NFTs are going to be a form of showing off that vanity and showing that while they're, everything might be replicable in the digital world, um, NFTs aren't. And it's going to be a way people who are trying to show off differentiates themselves. Um, and then there could be a bunch of utility in the future, a bunch of actual use cases, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the core use case is rich people wanting to show off. Right? Yeah, I can, I can get, I can get that part of it. The part that doesn't really make sense to me is, is like if you can right click, you know. I mean, I know this has been like a thing around the around the internet about right clicking or just saving it and and. I don't know how scarce it really is. The thing that I would say with baseball cards is that baseball cards are made by a company and they are false scarcity, like you said, but still there's some kind of validation to them and there still is an actual limited amount of them. I mean, you said you could make them and that I think that is a good argument that you're making for it, but it's like when you actually are holding a baseball card that was made and you know there was time and put into it versus like an nft that someone can say that they're the owner of it but i can have that as my screensaver i can print a picture out of it and hang it on my wall just as much as they can other than the fact that they spent money on on something and, and i didn't and to me you know i'm i'm a value guy when it comes to not when it comes to investing, but a value guy in the come in the sense of like when I think about ownership and I don't really see I, I kind of see that as like stupidity when you pay fortunes for something that I can have just as easy as you can because you know I can right save it to a folder and I can have it too and I just feel like oh this dumbass paid a lot of money for something I got the same thing. Yeah, I guess my question is for instance, if if you had the actual Mona Lisa and then I had an artist repaint that exact same Mona Lisa um, and they're very talented artist and they're able to replicate it so the average person would never know the difference. Um, and I put house. Is that, you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing as the right click save as. It's one of I would those. Say, is... Yeah, I would say like you know, like the um, the print copies of things. Um, but I mean, no one's really been able to print those actual things out. I mean, print out copies, but they've not been like a painter actually. It's still, it's still a, it's not an exact replication like like digital stuff is. You know, like where the hand strokes and all, all these different things are at the small level are different and there is only one of it versus digital stuff that is like exact copies there's literally no difference between um like they used to say in the music industry there's like a master copy there's really no everything's a master copy now pretty much and because it's digital and it's so easily replicated and, and there's really it is identical versus i think things in the real world there still is going to be a difference no matter how good the person 
the person or machine is. Yeah, but the difference is that they might be the same digital file, but one has the proof in it that it is the original. So it, the the hand strokes on the Mona Lisa, that's going to be the cryptographic proof in the NFT that you have the original and this other one's a fraud. Um, what happens if it's like a link though? Like, cause oh. yeah, I mean, so the link stuff is bad. So when an NFT does link to a location that holds a photo, um, that's not great. So, and that could change in the future as blockchains start to develop. And I believe there's, there's blockchains that do actually embed it into the blockchain. So the photo is in the blockchain and it's not a link to an image. Um, cause yeah, yeah I cause that's, that would be the biggest, uh, I mean, other than the, like, I, I can see the side of it with the argument of not being exact uh, and, and you actually do have the key to the actual thing. So it's like, okay, I get that. But then the link thing, other issue where if it's just an address to somewhere that thing can change and it's like, well, you don't really own artwork, you own a link, but like you said, it can be stored on the blockchain, but I'm guessing that imposes a lot of other difficulties that providing just a link doesn't do because I mean, there was this um, YouTube video that kind of walked through this in way more depth and understanding than I know about it, but it was like, 80% or 90%, it was some high, more than half percent was basic of the NFT market was links. It wasn't actually stored on the blockchain. Yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely, I definitely believe that. And there was a, uh, I forget who it was. I think it was the creator of Signal, the app that's for messaging. He sort of did a takedown on NFTs and then it, what he created an NFT and he uploaded it into OpenSea, the major uh, marketplace for NFTs. And the NFT itself linked to a, a site that constantly changed the image. So the in image was changing every hour or something like that. And it's sort of this idea that you could dupe someone. You could you could sell them an NFT that's this one day. It could go into the high. It's not necessarily when you have a link, whoever owns that link, whoever owns that website, actually controls that nft not you um so it's absolutely in the early days and it's definitely in this case as well because there's a lot of dumb things going on with nfts but i think it's an interesting and fun idea um that that i'll keep playing around with but yeah i'm with you i'm i'm never gonna put a ton of money into something board apes are the future or <laughs> and, and anything like that uh, right now it's just silly pictures of monkeys on the internet but it's sort of cool it's sort of fun yeah i, th I think you know if they can find especially the i guess the way i view things if they can find more use and utility and i still to be honest i still feel this way with the crypto market to you know for the most part i mean if you look at things like like big Bitcoin or, or Ethereum, it's like, it's not still yet. And I still have a, tr tr I still have trouble with that. Um, but, you know, if people say it's valuable, you know, it, I guess it's valuable kind of thing. I mean, that's the same thing with, I mean, honestly, you can lump the dollar, Bitcoin, 
the euro, you can, NFTs, you can lump a lot of stuff in the same bucket and say, really, none of it is has any in, intrinsic value, except for something that is backed, like say that crypto that's backed by gold. Um, I mean, there's very few things that actually have actually have intrinsic value. And so for me, it is hard to really see a future and and but i guess the the counterpoint is is we are playing the game and you have to play the game in the sense of like the u.s dollar you have to use them so even though they might not have value they still have everyone says they do and i could be dead and gone and pass away and years and years go by before it's not the the world reserve currency and people say it's worthless I have to play the game today so that's where i think some people get cut uh, caught up on is they maybe see the truth the pure truth but you can't win the game and build wealth if you don't play the game and so that's kind of where i feel like with a lot of this stuff is like it may not actually be worth anything and maybe the currency that we use in the future has to have some kind of intrinsic value and maybe maybe it is blockchain but it's backed by something real maybe that is the future but we don't know and i could be dead and gone before that happens and in the meantime i still have to play the game of working for dollars and buying things with dollars and if that game switches to bitcoin well i need to be on the forefront of that so i can maintain my wealth and everything that i've built up to this point in my life so and I think this is the point that people have trouble with when they see everything that's happening in the financial system and they don't trust it and they run from it, but they can't really get ahead in life because they're not playing the game. And so part of it, and, you know, this is, you know, a little bit, you know, aside from the conversation, but still around the idea of is something valuable, you still have to play the game that's in front of you and where everyone else is already playing the game you can't there's no alternative game right now really it's either we're all in it or we're all in something else so it's really just be able to make decisions based on what's happening and not based off of like thoughts feelings and concerns and anything else that you have and um that's one reason why i like trend models um and so you know, right now, Bitcoin is more appealing because of where it had been and where it's at now. But I, I'm some if it does uh, trend, and and I guess that's that's my thoughts of the crypto and NFT markets and just uh, financial assets in general. But I do think I have to play the game. Absolutely, it's. Uh... Trust is a funny thing, and um, for better or worse, Bitcoin has it. NFTs, I don't think have it. Um, Ethereum maybe has it. Uh, the U.S. dollar definitely has it. Um, so it's a it's a funny thing overall, and it, you're definitely making some good points. Yeah, it's just um, you know, and it's hard because we all have thoughts and opinions and you know egos and everything else and it's really hard to especially if you don't see value in something that the masses see value in 
it's super hard especially if that becomes the standard like if if that becomes a standard people that are not okay with it are going to have a very hard time especially like the older generation they're going to have extremely hard time transitioning to say say tomorrow we all wake up the dollars at zero and everyone's transacting in bitcoin the older generation is going to have a really hard time uh saving their wealth uh and their you know store of value they're going to have a really hard time with that and that might be the way that might be the right way but you still have to you have to participate because everybody else is and um something to keep in mind especially for the people that are against crypto i know i was against it for a little while but you know as you look at things objectively it doesn't really matter what you think as a person it is what it is and you just gotta it's like basketball it's like i may hate that lebron james is scoring 30 points but guess what it don't matter what i think feel about it he's scoring 30 points you know it is what it is and you got to play the game that's in front of you yeah yeah absolutely it's uh you got to play the game that's in front of you and then you got to accept when you're wrong too because there's there's times that it just keeps on coming and the world is a weird place and weird things happen and you just got to accept it yeah for sure and something i, I want to uh say a, a little quick story on uh just real quick is uh, i was having a debate this was a few years ago i was having a debate on um I think it was a YouTube video with this guy and the guy was like, renewable energy is the future. Oil will go to zero and it'll disappear. Right. He's like, it'll disappear and we won't use it. And it's going to zero before it goes to a, to a hundred. Right. And he was like, it, it's after it goes to zero, it's not coming back. I was like, you're crazy. It's not going to zero. It'll go to a hundred before it goes away. And you would think at that time that that was the only two options possible, but it was not. Oil went to negative 36, didn't go away, and then now it's at at its peak, it was at like 130, 140. And so we were both wrong in at the end of the day. And it's like, well, you know, at the time you were thinking, oh, it could only be this or that. But in reality, it was something way different than we could ever, ever foresee. foresee. And one thing I would, the advice I have to people is no one knows the future and you just need to come up with a strategy that doesn't include predicting the future in the sense of, you know, what's going to happen with like certainty. You need to come up with a system that is either like, psycho well, not psychology, but I guess the theory of it, the principles of it make sense of how to approach making money or some kind of statistical model and not based off of thoughts and feelings and stuff because at the end of the day no one knows the future and you have to make quote unquote good decisions but it has to be based off some kind of principles or some kind of uh, values of how to approach these games that we're playing yeah yeah absolutely but uh, is there anything so else uh, crypto you want to talk about? Or no, I think we covered the, 
there's there's a lot more to it. You can dive in a lot deeper, but I think we got a good high level overview of what's going on and what's legit, what's not legit. Uh, there's a lot more to dive down the rabbit hole on. Um, um, whole new, different, crazy, dumb use cases like by the Constitution, all that kind of uh, crazy stuff. But we don't. We can save that for another day because it that'll take an hour by itself. Heard that sounds good. Well, I guess I'll sign us off here. Thanks everyone for listening to the Just Swinging It podcast. We will try to be back next week. We're going to do another uh, Twitter space, hopefully, if everything goes to plan. And I enjoyed talking to Fat Baby here today on the Twitter spaces. So maybe we can do our show live, but also for the people that can't make it live. They can still listen on Apple Podcast or Spotify or any of the other streaming sites. So thanks for joining us today, and we will see you guys next time. Thanks for having me. Bye. The contents of this week's episode of the Just Swinging It podcast are for educational and entertainment purposes only. All persons are only given their opinions and are not to be considered financial advice. The Just Swinging It podcast isn't responsible for any financial actions you may take based on the conversations held on this show.